Welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 136. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by your co-host, Ryan Sinisky. Their co-host? Their co-host. I mean, our co-host. Are you mine or are you theirs? I can't talk. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to have to mulligan this whole episode. (laughs) That was the sound of a beer. Was that your Kelsch that I got you? It is. I'm going to go over what it is once you open yours. Open my Todd the X-Man. Oof. Beauty. So, yes, I am drinking uh, from Ryan. Thank you very much. Lake Superior Brewing comes kayak. Kelsch. Kolsch. Kolsch? Kolsch. 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 Style. And it's called style. I, I, I should note that it is not technically. <laughs> I don't know what's different. <laughs> it, it, tastes it like... isn't a Kolsch, but it's a Kolsch style beer. It, it looks like a. It, it looks like a culture. Oh, you know why? It's because it's unfiltered. That's why. It. Uh, we briefly talked about that last week. That's probably why yes, it doesn't qualify as a culture. Oh, yeah. probably has a little more wheat in it then. Yes, or just has sells the wheat in it. Um, anyway, wow. it, you have the first. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I just, just doing some things. Hey, Patreon. A, uh, fuck. We should have just fuck. We could mulligan this one. But yeah, this whole episode. <laughs> nah, it's fine. <laughs> We already over. talked about B8S4s. <laughs> we literally already did. We're not doing it again. Did this you week. read the description? Where's the description? It's not B8S4. It's C8 Corvette. I'm reading what the stream chat. Says. Oh, tell tell Potato that he's an idiot. Potato? Oh no, he he should just listen to the last episode. Yeah, go back and pay go, attention. Go back like 15 minutes and pay attention. Like we talked. Are we about talking it. about BAS fours yet? We already discussed it. We already talked about the 335 being better. We talked, we talked about, about the weird flywheel, and we talked about the sunroof the, trains the roasting BA- BCMs. Yeah, that's exactly the don't B8 buy S4, one. It's it is technically better, but it's worse if you actually want to own it. Like, yeah, cool. Anyway. If you're trying to play Forza Motorsport, it's a great car. <laughs> Well, until the car you have in your garage in Forza gets in a rainstorm once, and then you have a faulty BCM. Fun fact. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I actually, it was – this was, like, one of, like, a handful of times I've actually driven an Audi in Forza, but the game crashed completely inadvertently during a rainstorm when it was driving an Audi S4 in Forza. How? Like, it's just – there was an error, and the game, like, froze up and crashed. But it was during it was driving Audi in a rainstorm when so that happened. It probably it didn't know how to cope with the coded BCM. Yeah, it probably they breaking. It, yeah. <laughs> Talk about how three thirty fives break down a lot. They don't. N fifty four ones need regular maintenance, which their owners don't give them, but they're better. Talk about a mid size car that could be comfortably oh could comfortably seat the most cats. That's actually mm, a good that question. Actually is a really, we're gonna use that as a Patreon. Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash carbitrage. Head on over there, check out the two levels of uh, open ended support we do have for you. And we now have a new Patreon topic as of literally right this very second. Well yeah, he's not even a Patreon. Yes he is. Because you have to be a Patreon to be able to do this, and he's obviously a Patreon. So what mid size car currently on sale today could hold the most cats? Comfortably. 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 For you and the cats, because the cat's yeah. comfort matters too. Yes. So what we're going to be looking for is something that a cat's going to enjoy. It's probably going to want a commanding view. But not a crossover. A commanding view, not of the road, but of the cabin. And Okay. All right. So you're going to want something that's got a little bit of a raised up uh, back seat, probably. Okay. A good sized parcel shelf so they can, they can lay in the sun. Yeah. So what we're looking for is a mid-sized sedan that's got a relatively high rear deck height okay and 
is comfortable with a slanted back window so the cat can fit there's many cats can fit up in the luggage area and how many cats well i don't know it depends on the car so i guess what i'm what i am thinking here would probably be you know i'm thinking a uh kia optima a really well specced out one because they have the leather seats in it they don't tint their windows the the rear seat does sit higher than the front seats and you're going to have a lot of space for that slanted back window. We're going to have a lot of glass, so a lot of cats can lay in the sun. Yeah, but the angle is so steep. Well, they never said the size of the cat. Well, okay. Small cats and then big cats. So you say, what is it, a Kia? Kia Optima. Optima. 2020. I just want to pull up a picture for our stream viewers here so they can see what we're talking about. I think that that would be a good cat <laughs> car. And it's also a good car because you can get it with a manual or with a turbo. Fair enough. But not at the same time. No. Which so is a problem. My, uh, my choice is going to be a Buick Tour X. But it's not a sedan. It's a wagon. It says midsize car. That's oh, 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 car? So we have wagons. Yeah. Well, I then. assume so. Midsize car. That's actually a really good one because that one, they I clearly. Could, it's a big. This is a long boy. But also, importantly, they don't tint the windows. So all the heat gets in for the kitties. Mm-hmm. They do like heat. They so. like to be warm. I think you could fit more cats in this than you could technically have breathing effectively with the amount of air that in is the cabin. Correct. So the two Rx might actually be worse for cats than the Optima. I'm gonna say, well, it's a mid-sized car. Yeah, Subaru Forester. Base model. That's that's a CUV. It's mid-sized. It's a CUV. Okay. Can you at least give my reasoning? You could maybe pick an XV, but not a Forester. No, it'd have to be the Forester, because the Forester is just a glass house. They have the thinnest spillers of any car sold in America right now. Yeah, but it's a CUV. That's There's got to be something else. Now that you know we can use wagons or things like that, hatchbacks. Um. <coughs> oh, dude, Tesla Model S. That'd be a really good one. huge. And you have the third row. It fits so many cats in there, and like the floor compartments lift out, and you could put some under the hood. Does Mercedes still make a wagon? Yeah, they make the E-Glass still. E class wagon. That's a really yeah. good answer. All right. Yep. So we, we discovered E class wagon. E class wagon or Buick Regal Tour X. There you go. Buy a modern wagon. Uh, I want to actually talk about the first real story now that we're done with Potatoes Inquiry. Uh, and it is about the C8 Chevrolet Corvette. Okay. Yeah. So they dynoed this thing. Uh, GM rates it at just under 600 horsepower and about 550 foot pounds of torque. Do uh, motor they? trend. Yeah. It's, it's pretty healthy. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Uh, so they dynoed their car at 656 and 606 torque. I'm just like, okay. I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know. I think it was a, a dyno jet. I don't think it was a super tech. And I don't it, know how, what kind of corrections they had or anything but like if, that. But if you account for a loss of power. Right. So that's what they're saying. And they're, that's what they're work. doing. Can we, get, they're, can we get rid of this ad? They're, calculating, <clears throat> they're calculating crank horsepower. So... That's kind of a stupid way to do it. I can't remember what it actually made to the tire. Looks like 495, 470 to the tire, and then they're factoring in a 15% loss, which is probably well, that, right. That's, that, that's what their claim is. <clears throat> but the math reveals that um, it is closer to 558 right up there. It makes up 500. I actually read this article from a different right. uh, publication, but yeah. 558. Oh, right, yeah, because this is, this is factory rating here. This is what they popped up with the correction. Yeah, is that so the actual it, it, at the wheels? No, that's actually what it was. 
Okay, so the 600 so, horsepower, this was this was the corrected crank then? Uh, so, yeah. yeah cor- no, yes. corrected crank, GM said it makes 495 to the wheel. Right, but that's an SAE horsepower measurement. But that's a, GM said it makes 495 to the wheel. When it was tested, it made 558 to the wheel. Right, but that's on a dyno jet in some schmo's shop. It's not an SAE test. They're different. There's no different. There that's, is. Well, no, I mean, th- those are the numbers that, of what right. it was. Right. It's there's, apples, no, there's no additional. It's two different but, brands of apples compared but to one it's, another. It's basically saying that the car did test. That's also, like, way outside of the realm of error. That car makes a hell of a lot more power than Right, GM but it's says. a different testing method. So it's like saying that your car made way different power on a yeah, dyno well, jet and a super tech because so, they're both dynamometers. All right, well, no, this is the thing. The car consistently... <laughs> regardless of how you look at it, makes yeah. more power than GM specified. I'm not specified. disputing that it makes it's just more power the numbers. And that's, that's if you actually read the article. I'm not going to do that. I, know, I don't read But it. I'm saying if you're reading this article, because I did read this article, yeah, so we had boring. two weeks uh, between. That's yeah, boring, though. But I know, but I'm telling you what I did so you don't have to. I don't want to do that. And what I did was read it, and it <laughs> says that <clears throat> 495. Uh-huh. Is a hell of a lot lower than fifteen percent lower than five fifty eight. Mm-hmm. So fifteen percent is what the realm of that's any sort of error. Yeah. That, that's the that's that realm of error that they had. And so yeah, four ninety. No, that, this is the drivetrain loss that they're talking about. Okay, whatever. Fuck it. But it's still that's that's pretty low for drivetrain loss on an automatic transmission with ten speeds. That's true. So I mean that's. Even their calculations may be conservative. I, I see here in our notes that internet rattling ensues, and you have now done that. So I'm going to move on. Fine. Um, so, the Honda Urban EV. Oh, the poor car that's awesome and we're not getting. You know you know why we like it so much? Because yeah, it's cute and it's good. It was originally Honda. planned to come here. It. I still disagree with that. No, it, it was Before actually, it was even a concept, it was. No, it, when they were in the... It was late in the production process, so within it was three years ago. Three years ago is that's once you're at that point you're coming up with trim levels and you're doing safety testing. But what I'm illustrating is, general public didn't even see a concept car until a year ago. But yeah, the development process of a vehicle takes about ten years. Right, I understand that. So, but like three three years ago, that's pretty much done. But they weren't showing it to any like large group of American buyers. Well, that's the thing is they decided to axe it before they showed it to us because they're like Americans aren't going to want this. That I understand and accept. Yeah. Uh, now, this is the thing. Still dumb. Uh, it's super dumb. I agree. Uh, however, they decided not to uh, give it to us, but given the amount of. Uh, good PR that this has received from the American press and the American people. I should I should say, like Instagram posts about people. Yeah, but I mean not just us. I mean like <laughs> like uh, people outside of us. Well, that's kind of weird. And, and that's exactly kind of like this is exactly what we're trying to represent is the everyman car right. enthusiast and how we view vehicles. Um, but yeah, it, it what's well, the uh, the the positive reception is Honda's rethinking not giving it to us. I mean, obviously it's so far. This is the production-ready version right here. Right. But the post-facelift that they do two years in, they might give to us. That'd be cool. I would be very Especially into that. we'll get a bigger battery and stuff at that point. Well, it's like... <coughs> I'm, I actually commented on this Jalopnik post, and I said, when this car goes on sale is about the time I'd be looking at potentially purchasing my first new car if I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And 
this is really the only car that was on sale that I was considering. It was either to be this or a Corolla XSE. A Mirage. Or a Mirage, yeah. I want a small hatchback that's fun. So right. those are the three Your cars options I are have. limited, yes. Yeah. Um and so yeah, those are my three options. And I said, like, I would totally buy this, but now at this point I'm gonna be looking either a Mirage or a Corolla XSE. Like I'm not gonna be buying a Honda because I really don't want a Civic because right. that's an Accord wagon. And the fit they're not giving to us. So and it would have been even better because Honda is fully eligible for the federal tax credit. It would have been great. Yep. So, uh, anyway, hopefully after this mid-cycle update, they'll give it to us. That's our example of Honda, you know, with the Type R and everything. Like, they've got no clue what Americans want. And when Americans say it's they want something. focus groups. When Americans say they want something, they go, you don't really want that. And the reason is, I think this is actually 100% reason. Because I know Honda's really, really timid about doing this stuff because of this. <laughs> um, Mugen. In America. Yeah. So. Is Mugen, that is still an outside of Honda entity, or did Honda buy it? They, it's weird. It's, okay. They, it is technically owned by Honda, but they operate completely separately. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of like um, AMG 10 years ago. They were owned by Mercedes, but they still made all their own like stuff. 20 or 30 years ago. <coughs> well, no, when they were still owned by Mercedes. But like they have the like yeah. complete uh, like autonomy. Mercedes bottom in '94, I think. Yeah, but like they have like Mugen <laughs> has almost complete autonomy at this huh. point. So like they, but they, AMG is like that's fully intertwined. I think from yeah. the get go on Mercedes bottom. But anyway, so with with Mugen, like it's a separate company. Their one directive is you have to have something available for every model. That'll be super cool. Yeah, but <laughs> the thing is, outside of that one directive, um, they really have free reign of doing stuff. Um, sure. But anyway, so... Um, cool. I'd like wh- to see what Mugen would do to a... Yeah, it'd be really, really TV. cool, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back yeah. in 1983 when they brought this to America, they did this whole really weird rollout to dealerships. In 1983, mind you. Yeah. 83. Think I, of I Honda... I you the first Just think of Honda in 1983 and how they were viewed. Okay. Like, they... It's w- like how Kia and Hyundai were viewed in 1984. Yeah, now yeah. imagine if Kia and Hyundai brought their performance arm. Yeah, if, like, N was yeah, around in 94. Exactly. <laughs> like, if Hyundai brought in a Hyundai N in 1994, like, that would make no sense. Right. And then, because that was obviously a complete flop, and then 10 years later, when everybody discovered Mugen, uh, everybody loved it, mm-hmm. uh, imagine Hyundai going, well, we're never going to bring anything cool to America ever again. It's like Pink Floyd never coming to Minnesota because they hate us, like actual <laughs> fact. By the way, well, <laughs> that's a real I thing. Mean, <laughs> but it's it's like that. It's like well, it failed once in a completely different world. You know, during the Cold right. War, when Star Wars, the uh, when I, um, the Last Jedi, or not the Last Jedi. <laughs> oh my goodness! When Episode Six, um, <laughs> when, when Episode Six came out, uh, but like they're just You're like, letting yourself down, yeah. man. But, like, when Episode Six came out, before Purple Rain came out, when Reagan was president, like, before Nintendo was even a thing. So many non-sequiturs. Like, when it was literally, before the internet, when it was a completely different world, they don't like Mugen. So, obviously, we're not going to take any chances in America ever again. Great. Like, that's basically what Honda does. That's a little bit of a, like, a knee-jerk reaction, I would say. That's really what they're doing, is they, 
like, unless they have absolute 100% confidence that every single person in the world is going to be buying something. Right. Like, they don't give it to us. So it's just, it's really dumb. Whereas, like, you know, in England, they're going to try all sorts of stupid shit. Of course. And, like, this will probably sell really well in London, too, because they're, you know, it's a, it's a tiny physical area with, like, 7 million people in it. Yeah, it's true. And but it's, it, like, yeah, this, this is perfect. This will be perfect. And it's rear-wheel drive, which uh, is great. It's like an i3, but it's made by Honda. It doesn't have wagon wheels on it. I like the i3. I like the wagon wheels, too, but they're a little unrealistic. <laughs> you don't like buying your 125-45R20s? Yeah, that's made only by like Michelin or something. Yeah, your winter tire options are fairly limited, I will a say. B- a bit. A bit. No. Uh, I, hopefully they bring that back to America. I think so. I mean, from the first time we covered the concept of the Honda Urban EV, we're like, why would you not just give this to us? Like, we have the 500E, we've got the Leaf, like, we've got a bunch of compact EVs here, and they... If you, they, look, at, if you look at used 500Es coming out of California, they're yeah. everywhere in the cities. I know. Like, I, I know I know of 10 in like, this one cities. Oh, yeah, and they, they keep flowing in, too. Yeah. There's dealers that, that GS Motors over in Hopkins just keeps bringing them in. They keep selling. It makes sense. Like... Yeah. You, you know what the fastest selling car I ever sold was? The only car I've ever sold the same day it came in on trade? I think you told me this once. Nissan Leaf. Oh, okay. Oh. It's the only time in my life I've ever sold a car the exact same day it came in on trade. That's actually kind of tough to do, isn't it? Because you said there's a process for... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, like, it came in on trade. I was test driving a person, mm-hmm. and it was about, like, 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And person's like, actually, that Nissan... They were looking at a different Leaf, and that Leaf uh, had just sold. Okay. When they came in, I gave them a couple of test drives, like Priuses, a few other things, and they, they weren't having it. And this other Leaf came in on trade, and the customer said, "If you can get this Nissan Leaf sold to me by the end of the day, I'll buy it." And they literally <laughs> let me see what I can do. They cleared service the schedule, put this car fast tracked it through PDI, replaced <laughs> the ball joint it needed, aligned it, test drove it. <laughs> Detailed it, had it done. I stayed late. That person went home at seven o'clock on a Saturday in their Nissan Leaf, and I made hundred and twenty bucks. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, right. It's one no, of those I things where, yeah, that. like this car's a that's sell. Not a common process. Yeah. I just hear. I heard a, a, a nine eleven. Oh, he's rehabbing his headlights still. Yes, yes. Um, I want to talk about E thirty nine M fives. I have one. Yes, you do. It's downstairs. Yes. has about 120,000 miles on it. It's a good car. A company, Fluid Motor Union, uh, hosted a YouTuber who didn't have much of a personality, but he has a, a daily driver 2000 M5 that has 400,000 miles on it, and it has 300, 325K on the current engine. It was replaced by BMW in 2002 for oil consumption. So it is an unopened, basically, engine. You know, it's never had the pan off. 325K. And he found another guy in the forums that had an identical car with 78,000 miles. And they dynoed them both to see how much power escaped over, you know, 250,000 miles of difference. Can we, can we take some guesses first? Well, you yeah. already watched it. Can I take a guess? Yeah. So it's, it's how many miles? Is, is, is it different? It's basically 400,000 miles. 400K 400 right? on the chassis, 325K on the engine versus 78 all. So it's, it's 250,000 miles of difference. Close rounding, rounding. Yeah. yeah, it's about yeah. two hundred yep. on the engines. Yes, and how much horsepower did they make factory? Uh, do you want the wheel number or yeah, sure three hundred and nine at the tire three hundred nine? Let me go with two 
forty for the high miler. For the high miler, yep. And then probably like three three ninety eight, three ninety five, somewhere around there for the or not three ninety five two two ninety five two ninety eight for okay. the uh, for the good one. So the good one made three oh nine. Oh, made exactly. It made three oh nine. Yep. Okay. So it made the healthy new car number. Perfect. The three hundred twenty five thousand mile engine made two seventy nine. Still pretty good. That's amazing. Right. And once they evened out the tunes on them, because they had apparently different tunes on the computers. Oh, sorry. We got a yeah, new guy. What is new? I've Good day, mate. Here. Hello. Uh, isn't there an apostrophe between G and day? Yeah, but you also didn't put apostrophe in your... Yeah, fine. Whatever. I'm a terrible person. Uh, not that much is new, because it's the warm season still. But Hello anyway. there, industrious little fellow. Awesome content, Garcello. More streams like Carpetrage episode one. Considering it has a copy pasted thing of our initial stream title, I am worrisome that that is spam. Anyway, uh, when they evened out the tunes, there was about a twenty horsepower difference. One, se- one second, I'm gonna find out if it's spam. It Tigger Guardy twelve less the new guy that's commenting on our stream. Yes. What is the flight speed of an unladen swallow? You can answer that at any time as we go through the story. Here. Follow the link up. Phantom, take him away. Boo! Do we have any chat Boo! mods? Ugh. Yeah, we don't have any chat mods. Boo! That's fine. Boo him. Boo! I'll handle I told this. you that that question always lets you know. Fan user. It's... Yay! Go me. Anyway, so yeah, 250,000 miles will drop you about 20 horsepower. And I'm actually amazed it's that high. That's I, w- actually... I would figure that a worn in engine shouldn't really lose power if it's well taken care of. Well, I'm actually surprised it's that low. because That's what I mean. I'm surprised that they're both not like 300-ish. Yeah, I, I'm, su- I'm really surprised that... Well, no, I'm, I'm just surprised that they're in as good of condition as they are. Yeah, this I'm engine, so for whatever to... reason, is pretty good at doing miles. I, I've, just, I've, I've driven a lot of engines where they get tired. Like, right. And they, when they get tired, like, they, they feel it. Like, really bad. Like, that says, like, when I used to go to street racing, I used to go find, like, you know, look for all the people that had a GSR on it, an engine swap, because <laughs> I could almost guarantee every single GSR swap got beaten by my D-Series because they were the same price. And somebody got the world's most tired GSR, mm-hmm. and it made 100 horsepower all day long. Ooh. Yeah. And Ooh. My, my D-Series made, like, 110. <laughs> I'm just like, I just, like, stomp on them. <laughs> I- I would love to, maybe I'll research this a bit more, but figure out what it actually is that makes engines lose their power. Blow by and stuff like it's that. It's got to just be seals on the piston rings because yeah. I can't think of anything else that would drop Valve power. seals. Uh, I shouldn't really decrease power, though. Yeah, it could. I mean, if your valve's not closing perfectly solid. Okay, yeah. And okay. Yeah, because I know um, sure. on my Civic, when I took the original engine out, that one was extremely tired when I took that out. Hmm. And when you popped open the the head um the valve seats are just destroyed just, just full of carbon and shit well either way the s62 b49 appears to handle a lot of mileage really well so, so that's uh, a perfect does example. mileage matter no. no nope no it doesn't. that's a good car um now i'm gonna talk about other old things okay because i'm apparently following your vein um, and talking about EVs, this <laughs> podcast. Oh, my God, I almost tipped over my chair. Yeah, I'll get new stools at some point. These, <sighs> these suck so hard. Anyway, um, do you remember those adorable Morris, 
like milk trucks and ice cream yeah. vans. Yeah, the the, the more the wafer thin bias ply tires and yeah, the, the, the pea shooter exhaust and the the headlights on the fenders. Yes. Yeah, that's called the Morris J type commercial van. <laughs> very original. Okay. Yes, uh, it's very <laughs> British. Now, uh, Morris Commercial's name has actually been bought out by a company in England, uh, a uh, Asian businessman. Um, business boy or businessman? Man. Okay. Um, and actually, as a thumb in the eye to FIVA, as we spoke about uh, <laughs> earlier. <laughs> um, do, and, do, 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 do. I know, right? And also, I guess, to a degree, a thumb in the eye of the American uh, Congress, that uh, it's going to be a long-range electric drivetrain in the original bodywork like, for commercial and consumer use. Like actual original... They're gonna size and factor and shape the exact and everything. same everything. That's kind of cool. So, um, it is quite cool. That's that. That's a photo of it. Uh, they don't have a they don't have a prototype ready yet, but that's the photo that they've released of it. Um, they don't have any pricing on it or anything, but it's a battery electric vehicle and it's gonna be used for inner city delivery vans, which is exactly what that was originally used for. I think Hyman should make a. Uh... It'd be a great a recreational vehicle out and of that. It's also going to be a hell of a lot faster because the original one had a 1.5 liter side valve four cylinder. Yep, it was basically a, a the bigger a, version of the mini engine. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Uh, it was not good. Uh, no, no, it was worse than it mini. It was very good. The mini was overhead. It was overhead valve. It was overhead valve. It was really overhead valve. I really thought those were side it's valve. A, it was a all the Austin rod. engines. It was yeah. a push rod. Yeah. The mini was overhead valve. That's yeah. what made the, the mini so cool. Hmm. But no, like the the Austins and stuff from the yeah. 50s, those are side valves. And somehow they managed to make a side valve unreliable. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, hmm. so I think this is actually the perfect example of how to use EVs in classic body for, bodies. Is You don't use it as a preservation thing. You use that as a gr- the same thing that's the original purpose, mm-hmm. but now it's electric. So this is a perfect inner city vehicle it's size of yeah. Uh, about yeah it's a, pretty, about the size of tiny uh, it's probably the size of like a, a tahoe no it's gotta be smaller than that these things are super tiny but it's the size of a like a modern rav4 or something like that maybe a little longer well maybe not a tahoe but like a like a, uh, a highlander yeah a bit yeah. bigger than a rav4 not quite <clears throat> truck sized yeah but it's they're, probably they're, the size of a highlander they're, they're rather small they fit in parking spots they absolutely and do. that's what they're designed to do so, yeah, Morris uh, Commercial UK, October 14th in Worcester, England. They actually released it. Those are the new taillights. It looks properly good. That looks super cool. I wish it wasn't in the dark. Uh, well, they're also, they haven't finished all the body work. So. Well, I'll just look at an original one then. Yeah. I was looking for a number of kilowatt hours and power and things like that, they but it probably doesn't matter. don't have all the specifics down because they're still sorting out their manufacturers for engines and everything. Aww. Or motors, motors. rather. Um and how their whole drive trains will be laid out, but they are officially doing it, and that's gonna be really, really cool. I'm really, really excited for that. I think commercial vehicles are the perfect application. Yeah, and I think that this is a really good van because I mean, it's gonna be a really good commercial vehicle. It's gonna be a. I think that this could be this form factor could probably make our first Overland EV vans. I want Mahindra to take notes for our postal contract. Yes, and all right. Really want Imagine Mahindra. how cool it would be if there were like 50s looking Morris vans running around for mail. I'm sure Mahindra's got <coughs> some sort of weird like production thing where, like they did with uh, Roxor. 
Or they're just like, they still make the CJ2A. Yep. They probably still <laughs> make like some sort of cute, adorable We found British it was vehicle. actually cheaper to buy all the tooling for these cars and update them. <laughs> I know, right? Cool. Um, but yeah, no, this is, this is a really cool vehicle. I'm excited. And it's, it's a really exciting time to be with EVs. Um, I just, I, I can't get over how excited I am. And the fact that they say for consumer use as well. It's so huge. Not just commercial. It's like cons- a better Transit Connect. It really is. It's that's what the Transit Connect wants to be. I, I love it. I'm I'm really really happy about it. I mean, it's electric, so obviously I'm pretty jazzed about it too. Anyway, so <laughs> we'll talk about uh, new takes on old formulas. I want to talk about the GR Supra. I'm sorry, I was slurping my beer. Okay, I don't know what that has <laughs> to do with the poor GR Supra, but. From the get-go, people have been, oh, nice Z4. I'm like, no 2J, no care. Ooh, B58, no shit. But I hope that this puts a sock in the J-Series fanboy's mouth. No, it won't. If it doesn't, hopefully soon. Because a a GR Supra with nothing but E85, a downpipe, and a tune, and a set of drag rails, got into the nines. That's fine. So... This is the thing, though. Do you know how much you have to do to a Gen 4 Supra to get it into the 9s? Way more, but I get that, and I, <clears throat> I, I do appreciate that. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate the Mark V Supra as it is. It's just not a Supra. Because it doesn't have a manual. Or a backseat. That's true. Yeah, it's, it, the LC with this powertrain would have been more more, cool. more importantly, <clears throat> it's the fact that the 2JZ was completely idiot-proofed, cheap, and durable. Cheap is in that you can get it in the IS300 for very little money. It's absolutely idiot-proof, because even if you do manage to... The IS300 costs more than a 340i, even adjusted. There's... No, I mean, like, used. That's why people love it, because they're readily available very cheap. Yeah, so are B58s, though. But this is the thing, is is the B58 non-interference? No, no modern. Exactly. That's why the 2JZ is so important. It uses a timing chain, so it doesn't matter. Well, no, it does matter because timing chains break, as we all know. Yes, BMW they do. six-cylinder timing chains do not break. We've been—it's been proven on multiple, just about every two-liter form factor four-cylinder that timing. BMW chains, six-cylinder timing chains do not break. When some dumbass that's used to a non-interference engine gets their hand on their I hands, I don't on know this, how it's possible. They're going to break Ryan, it. They will break it. These engines are idiot-proof. No, th- this is the thing: is it is in fact a interference engine doesn't matter it's got a timing chain not but a timing it's belt still an inter- so if that timing chain is overstressed right. and they the put Supra, together wrong the mark four it was important because it was a timing belt well no the thing is this is the issue if somebody takes off the cylinder head yeah and they put it all back together oh, which they won't be able to do on a b58 exactly it's so complicated a perfect example is it's not idiot proof because it's very complicated uh-huh. the 2jz is not complicated it's a simple engine it's is the b58 Technically speaking, a better engine. Yeah, totally. Maybe. I don't know. But is also, is the M117 a better engine than a small block Chevy? Um, no. By form factor, is it? Well, it's got single overhead cams, which means it's cooler. Does it have a timing chain? It does. Yes. Is that timing chain easy to service? No. This, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the, the M117 versus the small block Chevy. They're both... The M117, it's the same ideas in that the M117, I bet if that had the same aftermarket the small box Chevy had, it would have been a better engine. 
It just doesn't. So this is the thing. With the 2JC. That that's pretty far-fetched. But, but no, with the 2JC, being able to, be able to put a cylinder head on, take the cylinder head off, put cams on, do a, do a valve job, put it all together, and not have to pay somebody to it do it for you. It has nothing to do with the interference. It has to do with Valvetronic. It's, Taking a head off and putting it back on, just as easy on a V58 as it is on a 2J. And you're not going to be able to do the... But this is the thing. If you put a 2J on and you, you, you fuck up the timing, mm-hmm. you're not going to blow up the whole engine. Right. So, somebody, so, so then, then you suck it up and you take it to a shop and they do it for you. People that can afford Supra's Mark 4 and 5, new or used, aren't... If, if they're that dumb, they deserve to break it in either case. But this is the thing. The 2JZ didn't get it from just those – didn't get its name from just those people. The 2JZ was in a lot more than just the Supra, and these were also more affordable platforms. And mm-hmm. it's the idiots that made this engine what it is. But it's the same thing with the BMW Turbo Straight 6. It's in a lot the, of affordable platforms too. But that's the thing is it's not as simple. It's the simplicity of the 2JZ. But it's that, just as durable is what I'm getting at. But it's the, it's the simplicity of the 2JZ. And that, that's kind of what the thing that you're missing here it is. It isn't. It's the durability. Well, no. It's the... The whole per- thing with the 2J is how much power it can make. It, Nobody tell, tells you about non-interference. No, it, it, makes, it makes a shitload of power. But yeah. there's so many engines that make a shitload of power. The Honda K-Series makes a shitload of power. The H-Series makes a shitload of power. Kind of. But it's like a stock of, block that what, can take that much power. But there's, there's plenty of engines in the world that can make a shitload At of power. At the time of the 2J, there weren't. Even today, there's still. But this is the thing. With the 2J, the reason it's such an enduring engine... That's because it weighs 900 pounds. No, the reason it's such an enduring engine is, is the why. simplicity of it. It's the fact that it's a non-interference. It's super overbuilt. And it's stuff like that. It's a non-interference. It's the ease of maintenance. You can actually work on it yourself. That's how people like it. It's because the block can take 2,000 horsepower. And you can work on it yourself. It's No, it's only because it's of its power handling potential. It's literally the fucking fact that no. you can work on it yourself. It's power that's the potential. Whole, no, that's the whole point of classic Japanese cars. The 2J, the only reason that thing is so popular is because it can take 800 horsepower in stock internals. That's why it got popular and originally. And the block doesn't shatter at and, 2,000 well, no, horsepower. That, and I understand that. That's why it got popular mm-hmm. at first. Why it's enduring, though, why it's maintaining its popularity over time. Because it's reliable. No, it's because you can work on it. I disagree. No, because there's plenty of... You know what else is a reliable engine? Hmm. Is a uh, Datsun L28. That's okay. an engine you can make 300 horsepower on, all motor, reliably. But to be able you to do that, put you can't put four times the stock power through it with no you're hard not, mods. You're not listening, Burger. You're, it's because you're, you're not close, making a no, good point. You're closing your mind. You're being a fucking and idiot right now. And you're doing right non No. Yes. What I'm saying is that there's the reason this engine is popular is that you can fuck up working on it and be fine. That is not, unlike it's a really other engines. good quality. It is not why it's popular. That's why it's enduring, though. I disagree. No, that is why it's, it's still enduring. The power That's literally. Potential. That's literally why. You come from a world of BMWs where people can afford... If you have the money for a BMW, you're usually smarter. I, if well, you have the money... E36s, I don't know. <laughs> if you, which is why they put LSs into them. If you, have well, the, if you have the money for like a really clapped out GS300 mm-hmm. and that you're them just spending... You're putting your McDonald's paychecks together yeah. to be able to buy an eBay Turbo Kit to throw onto that, sure. you're probably a big fucking idiot. Yeah, but... Keep in mind that idiots the turbo 2Js and SCs and ISs all the time. Idiots also turbo M52s. But this is the thing. is That's why the M52 isn't as well known as the 2J. No, it's because it's weaker and it's more expensive. But, but the thing is the 2J is 
wait, wait, the M52. That wasn't the one we're talking about. We're talking about the B-52. The B, uh, they, but it's like the, the, it's what, the predecessor. What, yeah, right, the so. predecessor. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, that was, I was incorrect on that. But no, the thing is, with the 2JZ engine, the reason that is because it's, it's idiot-proof for those people that can get into them really cheap. I say we're picking those, your topic. Well, no, I want to get to the bottom of this. Like, it's this is, because the stock internal bottom end is extremely durable. Listen, all I'm saying is that this engine's good. Yeah. But in the defense of the 2JZ fanboys, I get where they're coming from. I do because too. It for is, different reasons. No, I get where they're coming from because it is a car that you can fuck up working on. That's mm-hmm. why it has retained its viability in the world. It may be a factor, I, but 2Js are also pretty ubiquitous, at least in, you know, the bottom ends are all the same between the G and GTE, basically. Uh, yeah. Very similar. You, I know the you, rods and things like that are different. The IS-300 is pretty you, shitty. You really, you really can't, like, take a 2JZ GE bottom end to make anywhere near GTE power. They'll right. blow up. Especially yeah. out of an IS. Like, yeah. out of an SC, you can still make 700 yes. RS on an yeah. NA one. But the, the engines themselves are not inexpensive, which is a little strange, because I think it's just because they're that so is ubiquitous odd. in swaps. I think that is odd. Now, I think it's just because the market's taken up and they're put into different platforms, yeah. whereas like a BMW engine, like, yeah, you, you beef up your BMW with another engine, Well, maybe. see, I think this is where the, the 2JZ and its popularity, this, yeah. is where, this is where we're going to, I think, agree a lot on this, is that it does have... Corey, er, Corey go home. <laughs> Um, isn't even a great motor from a labor perspective. Oh, fuck off, beef whiskers. <laughs> anyway. A 2J is a good engine, but it's really heavy. It's super heavy. You're right. But I think the reason why it got popular was because of the name. It can take the power. It can take the power. It got known for that. But I think the reason why a lot of people go to that and they go, as opposed to the 1UZ, which is right next to it, a hell of a lot cheaper. It is. But, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you have the instability of... Uh, a V, you know, the firing order having bigger counterweights. Yep. It's an aluminum block. I mean, you can't just take a 1UZ and make a 1,000 horsepower you on the bottom end. can, actually. You have to get a 91 to 94 because they overbuilt it to be uh, The 6-bolt, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can make 700 horse on it, but... Eight, nine, nine. Nine's actually... They, they ran out of fuel before they ran out of bottom end. There are... Okay. The 1UZ is actually every bit as good as a, as a Jay-Z. Um, I've been just from like all the research. It must I've... be like the D series transmissions where they just, they overbuilt them to deal no, with they idiots. Did. Yeah. No, they overbuilt it cause they had to compete with BMW. Oh, what's this? Oh, I thought somebody said something, but no, no they overbuilt it to be to deal with, not BMW, I'm sorry, Mercedes who is but clearing odometers. There's at that some, point in time. there's some goods. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. Stock M103, you can make that kind of power level too, which is, that was cost be damned engineering, and that's what the 2J and the 1UZ were both born out of. Yep. They were born out of Lexus when it was coming to be. Like, these engines couldn't fail. And I think that the with the um, with the 1UZ, um, the re- this is kind of going back to my 2JZ like, debate of the 2JZ is idiot-proof versus the 1UZ isn't. Because the 1UZ, like, that's about as difficult to deal with as a BMW engine. Well, 1UZ is still a timing belt. I mean, it's a pretty easy thing to deal with. And I don't remember as far as when they is... went interference. I think the 1UZs were all interference. They engines. are, yeah. And that's the thing is, with the 1UZ, it's 
known for oh I forgot to do my timing belt for two hundred thousand miles and I blew Which up the whole engine. Which is weird because on a V six Toyota it doesn't matter if you ever do your timing belt they just yeah. last. I I know but it's you're also not taking out drag racing and drifting them so that's that is true. Anyway, um, I'm not even going to talk more about this topic. But B fifty eight is a great engine. There you go. Okay, whatever. Sorry I pissed off our peanut gallery. I don't care what you think. It's my our podcast. <laughs> All right, you've got a short quip next. Yes, Uh, I do have a short quip. This one's actually, I think we're both going to agree on this, that Ford hates America. Um, Now, click on that link and tell me that this would not be perfect in America. Oh, I didn't even see your link in there. Yeah, no, I made it really tiny. Well, it's like right above my story, too. Oh, this is weird. Ford's called a troller? A troller T4. (laughs) It's made in Brazil. So it's Peter Francis in vehicle form? Yeah. It's a V6 diesel. That's pretty cool. But manual is like only, I think, for a long time. Um, and then manual selecting four wheel drive. So it's an basically for case with a lever on it. It's a Jeep built off of a Ranger form factor. So like the new World Ranger, I'm guessing. Yeah. So the but, last okay. two body styles are built off the Ranger. We don't get the Euro V6 diesels. I'm guessing we either aren't getting this. So no, we're not at all. Okay, all right. But this is the thing: is how does this not <laughs> make easy. sense? How does this not make sense to put an EcoBoost into this and sell it in America? When well, yeah, like that would totally click on the next picture in the back. If they it. put the one six EcoBoost in this thing, it would be a US Jimny. Yeah, or if it, no, it's actually about the size of a uh, of a Jeep Wrangler. Look how perfect this US is. U.S. Jimny, I say, look at that. Look at that six-speed shifter in there. Like, isn't that awesome? That steering wheel really Peanut makes Gallery, me depressed. That's CarPlay. Okay, whatever. Peanut Gallery was not impressed because not sold in the U.S. Well, that's our whole point is that Ford hates us because <clears> this isn't available in America. Yeah, and Heimer hasn't even taken hold of one of these and put a bubble top on it. Yeah, well, it's a great vehicle. Look at that! So cool! I'm so excited. <laughs> I want that. I, I do like how like the the panel gaps are, like deliberately really bad and yeah. So you crash into a tree and not total the vehicle. Yeah. Okay. I, I like it. I like that it look. It has live axles, which is weird. It has a manual transmission, clearly. So that's pretty. And cool. this is made today. This is an amazing. Is it actually made? Yeah. This They're is actually putting this in some part of the world. No, this is made in Brazil Ooh. right now. Oh, like this, that, yeah. Ford makes this. This is. Ford, since 2007, Ford's made this in Brazil. <sighs> and this is the current body style. How do we get anything cool? This is, I'm saying, Ford hates America. Because they could easily... Well, we know that. They canceled all their cars except for the Mustang. But it'd be like, not just that. Like, they fire people in America. They just don't... <laughs> they don't care about our market. Like, this is Ford hating America. They give us the fucking bird scooter rentals. Like... <laughs> This is Ford hating America. I make fun of Ford. And people are like, why are you making fun of Ford? They're not a bad company. They make a lot of cool stuff. No, they don't. They used to make cool stuff. This is yeah, Ford like the ST line. This is literally Ford hating America. This is a perfect example of it. So there you go. Ford hates America because they don't bring that to us. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I'm not even going to dispute that. I agree. Uh, anyway. You have one thing. I do. Let me get back to it. Hold on. <laughs> we use one computer for everything, so I have to... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a very last-minute thing I wrote in here. It literally on the notes, guys. It says, I bought an E36 M3. You That's did! Right next to it. I, I was did. so excited. I bought a moderate 98 silver on black M3 four-door five-speed. That's wonderful. I would love to do something really hood with the powertrain, which if you watch Oval Board videos on YouTube, you'll know exactly what that is. If you don't, (laughs) you'll have to wait and see. 
But I don't know. I'm having trouble finding a like line a on an engine that's not a billion dollars because the newest version of the engine I want is 70 years old, and the people that own these engines are older than that. So the pe- what, how I describe this, I just describe the community of this engine. Can we just say what the engine is? Or are we going to blow it? Sure. It's a Ford 8BA or EAB flathead V8. Yes. Now, uh, I was describing that flathead community to um, one of my coworkers, I showed him a picture of a flathead with an aftermarket intake, which rolls like the carburetor, like a foot in the air. Oh, yeah. And I said... There's so much of that stuff available. I, I, well, I, I said to him, I go, no, the, the uh, Ford Flathead community, they like to spend a lot of money to make 120 horsepower, yeah. and they like really unrealistic intake ports. <laughs> it's just... Well, it's <laughs> that and like even the... Um, what's the overhead cam conversion thing called? I, I forget, but... The amount of money some people have spent on Ford flatheads to just like make them sort of make relatively modernish horsepower stock. It is... takes a lot of power or a lot of effort to do that. That's the thing. Once well, you get I mean, that, you, you look at the connecting rods and they're like drinking straws. Like, can you, you take? Do, a, do you have a picture of the connecting rods that we can show people? We, you know, what, let's just let's go through a few flathead Ford parts on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> Ford flathead connecting rod. They are no, that's actually pretty. There we go. That's the image I'm looking for. These are factory Ford flathead connecting rods. That's how they look after you dr- the, drive them Basically, after you drive them a little bit. I mean, keep, keep in mind, this is... Oh, wow. Actually, they, they apparently spun this pretty quick. The factory red line on this engine is 3,600 RPM. They were on a three-main bearing V8. They apparently ran it to 6,500 RPM. So, again, three-main bearing. Ooh. That means you have a front crank seal the bearing behind that the rear crank seal mm-hmm. the bearing behind that and then mm-hmm. in between the two cil- banks of cylinders you have one dead one. in the center and that's mainly there for thrust so for, <laughs> for most vehicles on most vehicles most v8s have five you have mm-hmm. one that goes in between each cylinder you have well, each pair well you you have yeah or i'm just in line four just to simplify it right yeah uh, you have your front bearing you have your pair of pistons or whatever your piston mm-hmm. you have another another main and then you have pistons Main, pistons, main, pistons, main, rear. It's kind of an every other type of deal. Like, this has got bearing, four cylinders, bearing, four cylinders, bearing. (laughs) I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So, um, you can get crank girdles for these things, and that really, really helps a lot, like billet main caps and things like that. That's cool. Apparently, these are actually pretty good. I don't know. I don't know if they're forged or anything like that, but just look how dinky they are. And it's a Uh, seven-inch. Anything anything would be better than that. It's a seven-inch rod, too. Like, it's a a big boy. Yeah. And you st- stick your arm out like this and try to hit it from the side and not move it. Like, that's basically what you're doing. Pretty much. Yeah. And the, the pistons are pretty heavy, but they are aluminum, which is cool. It didn't use, like, iron pistons or anything like that. That's actually, yeah, a necessity. You put an iron piston on that, it'll bend immediately. And that's why I want an 8BA or an EAB, which are uh, engine codes. Yeah. They're 48 to 53, so they're the last Ford. Did they put in, like, reasonable... They were in a lot of like trucks and stuff too, but they have okay. the beefiest connecting rods because like here's an early rod on the left, yeah, and here's a late rod on the right, significantly stronger. I mean, the this, this is probably rod in a sixty is a string. <laughs> well, they made sixty horsepower. Like they weren't they weren't great, but the later engines made like hundred and fifty horse. Wow, stock. But I mean, you can get H beam rods for these things. Like yeah, here's some Crower H beam rods. And you can get performance cylinder heads and head studs. This is also like, a perfect example. I don't want to do that. This is also want... a really good example of an H-beam versus an I-beam. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because if you click on this... Well, it's because it's like seven feet long. That's an H-beam. <laughs> now, if you click on those, fa those factory ones, <clears throat> that's mm -hmm. an I-beam. Yep, there you go. You want the H-beam. If, you, if you're looking at the opening for the big end and you see two grooves, it's an I-beam. If you see a flat surface, it's an H-beam. Yes. There you go. But that's... They're, they're really weak, and I, I don't want it to make power because it won't. I want a runner. Can we get a picture of what the cylinder head cutaway looks can... like? Oh, God. It's a <clears throat> Ford Flathead cylinder head cutaway. Oh, lame. Oh, yeah, there's nothing on the cylinder heads because it's all in the black. <laughs> right. I want to see one upside down, though. So here's the here's the bottom of an Offenhauser cylinder head. So the uh, the top of the deck of the block, the piston's not centered. It's it's further down, and then your valves are in the block facing the other way around. So when, they, when you say L-head, if you look at the shape of the, so here's the, block of the combustion. Deck. If you look at the, picture, uh, the shape of the combustion chamber at bottom dead center. Yep. You see it goes down to the bottom yep. like an L. Your gas is reversing goes, direction. Yep. And then it, <laughs> and then it goes to the right, and then it goes, this is actually kind of fancy. It's a serif L, and it dips down a little bit for the valves. So it, anyway, it's awful. I, it is really awful. It's I really like design. flathead engines because they sound so wet. Oh, they, they are just a, they're the worst. And actually, there was a overhead valve, an eight-valve. Yeah, I um, forget what the brand was, though. Ardun. A-R-D-U-N. Uh, they made it. There was the only um, 8V V8 cylinder head ever made, I think. I can say it with confidence. <laughs> well, yeah, because it didn't need the other valves because they were still... One valve is in the intake, and then the other valve was going down. And then I guess to do that, I don't know how you would seal up the I'm gonna the oh, factory exhaust. Sorry, guys, port. that was probably really loud. But this is what a <laughs> this is what a, a flathead 8BA sounds like. Can we hear it through our headphones? No. Damn it. I know, but you're, they're trust me, they're hearing the wettest V8 noise <laughs> that you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I would love to jam one of those in an E36 M3 with two China chargers making like two two pounds of boost. Because <laughs> I don't think it'll take much more than two pounds of boost. I just explained that to um, some of my coworkers. I'm like, it's just, it's so stupid. Everyone puts LSs in these cars and the inline six is a perfectly good engine. Oh, the S52 is a great engine. That's it's a great, thing. it's a perfectly good engine. Like it, it's every bit as good as an LS. Like it's... And it's it's Why like would a you, really healthy one in my car, too. People like, just mm. do LS swaps in these either because they broke something that originally had an LS in it or they just aren't inventive and they, they don't know anything about it's the BMW it's engine. It's cheap to make power with an LS, and they, there's $1,500 kits to just put them in an E36. Yeah. Right, like none a, of this is easy, nor is it cheap, and it's also not powerful. It, it is a counter to all LS swaps. It's so great. It, you are going to take Brett Litford's lunch of world's slowest V8-swapped BMW, mm -hmm. and you're going to eat it. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, with two pounds, it honestly might make more than Brett's 302. I don't know how. <laughs> anyway, that, that, that car is... is clapped, and yeah, yeah, I'm at this point still planning Are to do Are you going to keep the oil bath air filter? No, because I have to turbo it. Can you keep the oil bath air filter? I'd need, I'd need two of them, <laughs> one for each turb ski. And have them just point <clears> up. <throat> Maybe. <laughs> I bet those are expensive. Not even a curve, just like a, a pie-cut L. <laughs> you cut it 45 degrees, you twist it 90, and then you weld up. <laughs> so it'll either be a flathead V8, a GM LL8 with a manual, or it'll be electric converted. I doubt it'll stay S52, but that's my plan. It always has been. I would really love to jam an 8BA in an E36. So. Well, you, you, you don't even really like the 
E36. No, no, E36s are bad cars. They are terrible. They're They're really good on the track, but that's it. Well, I told you, like, I didn't like BMW for the longest time. Like, when I was growing up, like, when I was a teenager. Because you grew up with the E36. The only M3 I ever drove in my entire life was an E36. Uh, Like, up until, like, my 20s. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why do people like these cars? This car sucks. And, yeah, like, that car, like, totally, like, I, you, if you've only driven an E36, mm-hmm. you do not understand BMW. That is not a microcosm of, well, wasn't a microcosm of BMW. It, you understand modern BMW. Now it is more. Actually, it's actually, E36s are terrible cars. See? E30s are the best. E90s are probably the second best. E46s are the third best. And E36s are, like, at or behind E21 and cool. I would say, for me, it's E30, um, E46, E20, um, the 1930s BMW 3 Series, <laughs> um, and then maybe the E36 after that if it's an M3 lightweight. There were even like a Euro M3, it'd probably and, be and okay. Then, and then you have like the, like every other vehicle. Uh, and then you then you have the E46 318 Ti. Oh, that's a weird car. And, and then then after all that, every <laughs> normal. BMW E36s. That's so we're far. comparing M3s and we're putting an E46 318 Ti in it just to even it out. Yeah, like, yeah. like it, it is is so far down my list. Like, if you were comparing other brands, the Lincoln LS would come up above that in my list of vehicles that I like. Yes, I see. that's not correct. Uh, just ignore him. He's fine. E46s are. Maybe better than E90s, just because they're they drive very similarly. They're what, cheaper. This is what I like about the E46. Reliable. Is the E46 feels the pretty close to the same as the E36, yep. but it's a lot nicer and it justifies it is so much nicer. It's actually it, put together with fasteners that work. It it justifies no factory LS. It though. justifies the departure from the E30. Mm-hmm. It's that's what it that's what it is. That's, that's why I unironically own an E30 M3 and an E46 M3, and I do not. Well, did not until very recently own an E36 M3. Well, your E36 M3, you're about to ruin, so it's fine. Um, How can I ruin it by making it more interesting? They drive like Buicks until you push them. With let it. me just close this chat so you can't see this anymore. Okay. There we go. Now we can't see what he's saying, so it's perfect. Fine. So Much the better. E46 is the second best M3. They're great. Yep, it's probably the best M3. Even more than the E30. The factory engine on the E30 is not very awe-inspiring. That's true. It's The E30 M3 is a great I, car because it was the winningest the thing. I've never been in a factory engine to E30 M3. Every single one I've ever been in has had an inline six. Yeah. Of sorts. I respect the S14, but I don't much care for it. That's fair. I understand that. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. So that is me with the Toyota M-Series. <laughs> good, good good for you i'm really happy for you i don't want any of that like, when it first came out it's damn hey yeah the, the 2000 gt that was a great vehicle it sure was everything oh, after that sucked beautiful 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 i'm sure the s14 was wonderful it, like, it was its, a really good it was engine. really good in its in time obligation trim they're really great but they're in its time very expensive yeah not worth it they're reliable engines. They're good, but yeah, I don't know. They don't make no, no. And I'm not talking about those. But all right. Anyway, uh, what, what did we learn? Topic. What did we learn? Well, you were trying to spill the beans last time. So what did you learn? Go on. I forgot. You forgot what you were gonna say. What was I gonna say? 
don't remember. What was I but talking you, about? You started talking about something else, and it sounded really intense. Bollocks. Um. No. Can you go over? Oh, oh, ooh, yes. I learned that when things go on sale, things get spooky. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I found what my limit is for <coughs> for purchasing Halloween decorations. Because <laughs> I was at Target on payday oh, no. looking for Halloween decorations. Oh, no. I went through the whole thing and I almost bought something that I really wanted. It was an inflatable T-Rex holding a... Uh, a little jack lantern bucket. Like that actually it would be really adorable. Cute. It was really oh, cute. Oh, man. But this is the thing. These ghost lights that I bought were $10 because they were on sale. And the T-Rex, even though it gave me more joy, was not on sale. Oh. So and you, I are, learned, you are Jewish, so. I learned when things go on sale, things get spooky. Fair enough. And also, it's about $10. That's my limit. Five bucks. Because there's another one. I almost bought some old jack lantern lights, so they're five bucks off, not ten bucks off. So, nope. Sounds good. I uh, I learned that pretty much anyone with more than one vehicle will start treating the vehicle that they're not currently driving as a parts car. Yes. Even if it isn't a parts car. No, I I I know that. If I had, oh my daily's uh, xenon ballast went out. Better steal it out of the race car. If I owned a Duesenberg XJ with wood light headlights, and my headlight went out in my normal car. I'd make a bracket and put the wood light on before I bought a headlight. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. just that's, that's how it just goes. It's convenient. That's how it works. It's not easier. It's not more cost effective. It's not better. It's just <laughs> convenient. So there you go. I've done it multiple times with cars that are like really nice. I'm just like, mm. That's how Hennessy operates. They just use customer cars as parts cars. I get a little bit of trouble for that. Yeah, from time to time. You shouldn't so. do that. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you for listening in our our large public actual fight. <laughs> That's fine. We do it, this is how we are normally when we're not recording yes. the podcast. So ten, 10 years on, actual fights like that have not affected our friendship in any way. Nope. No. <laughs> it's completely the same. Nothing changes. <laughs> I do the same thing with Blake, so it's fine. That's just how it's, I get along with people like you. That's how it like goes. You. It's fine. Anyway, people, people like me. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you next week.